Welcome back to The Duck Stops Here, a podcast from the University of Oregon. I'm Michelle Joyce Fife, and today's episode features a conversation between two extremely talented alumni. Janelle Riley is the Deputy Awards and Features Editor at Variety, and today she'll be giving us a taste of her Emmy Award-winning interview skills when she talks to actor and comedian Ty Burrell. Ty is best known for his role as Phil Dumphy on Modern Family. How do they feel about seeing their dad on TV? And, and, and I know you're not Phil, but you share some DNA. Is it, is it weird for them? Yeah, they, so they're, they've always been incredibly unimpressed by me being a performer. And I mean, I can't stress that enough. I think they think that when I'm on screen, I'm trying to annoy them. They will turn to me if I trip and fall in the episode or if I say yeah. something dumb and they'll turn to me and go, dad. Like, yeah, so that's the relationship with Modern Family. Ty Burrell is currently playing the role of Jack on the animated sitcom Duncanville, which returns to Fox for its second season today. Without any further ado, here's Janelle Riley and Ty Burrell. Do you remember how I found out that we went to school together? Was it one of those first interviews, like, on Modern Family? Yes. Well, actually, you hadn't gotten Modern Family yet. We did this story, actually. It was kind of actors we love who we think are going to be huge stars someday. And it was you, Judy Greer, and um, John Hawks, I believe. Oh. And yeah. What was that for? For Backstage West, which was my first real job in LA. Yes. Yes. I totally remember that. Yeah. And I'm much more prepared these days, but back then I was sort of looking at your IMDb page as we were talking and I was like, wait, you were born in Grants Pass? <laughs> I was like, I'm from Salem, Oregon. I, you know, I used to do um, drama competitions in Grants Pass. And then I saw you went to U of O and I was yeah. like, oh, well, you know, there's, we have a slight age difference. So I'm sure our paths didn't cross. And then you told me you actually went to U of O kind of later in life. Yeah, yeah, I started, well, no, okay. So I actually went to U of O when I was 18, was, you know, just sort of like a lost, you know, I don't know if it's typical, but I was, you know, partying and I dropped out. And um, when I came back, which was a couple of years later, and the first time I ever did any acting, I was 22. It really was the very, very beginning. My very first acting class was at the University of Oregon. Wow. And, and I was 22 years old. And I was, you know, the oldest freshman. I mean, you know, to basically freshman there. Um, but yeah, I, I was I I was invited in. I went into the office of Bob Barton, who ran the, comp the theater department, and just said, I'm interested in this, because my dad, who had passed away, had said, you should you should try this. You kind of planted the seed. You should try acting, even though nobody, there was no context in my family for performing at all. Um, but anyway, yeah. So he said I should, and I, I went in and they were very, very kind to me there because I had no experience. Wow. Cause usually you hear about parents discouraging their kids from getting into acting, but your dad encouraged you. No, my dad was a painter, um, but he didn't end up following his dream. And I think that weighed heavily on him. He actually was offered a full a full ride scholarship in the fine arts at UCLA, which was a pretty hard thing to get, even back in the in the 50s. He was a very talented 
uh, draftsman and uh, illustrator. And, um, and he didn't do that. He ended up moving to Oregon for a variety of reasons, but we had a dairy, my grandpa had a dairy farm up there. And, um, and I think it, you know, it, it weighed on him. So he was one of those rare parents that was like, go pursue something that is a uh, 95% unemployment. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So you weren't someone who did like theater in high school? No. Wow. So our paths wouldn't have crossed at any of those thespian conferences. So you were going to Grants Pass for drama? I went there once. Actually, it's funny. My only memory of it is we had, we went there for like, they had these conferences yeah. and you could go around it and perform. And I was doing, I'm sure it was like a scene from a Neil Simon play with yeah. my friends. Cause that's all we did then, yeah. <laughs> you know? And like often it would be like the sunshine boys and you'd have the lines drawn on the face so you could look older. And yeah. the reason I specifically remember going to Grants Pass was I got a ticket there. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes. I got a few tickets out there too. Sue, <laughs> yeah. so do you know that, I, I don't know if this was your first play ever, but when I had this light bulb moment that, that we had been to school at the same time, I asked if you ever did a play there and you said, well, just one. And before you said it, I realized I had seen you on stage. You were an Eastern Standard. I was my in, freshman year. <laughs> I was an Eastern Standard. So I actually did three plays there. I did my first play ever was Hamlet. Um, I was not playing Hamlet. I was playing, you know, guy who brings in the news from the East. Um, but, uh, um, but, and then I did uh, a play that I was in over my head and I'm forgetting what it was. It was a British play about architecture and I, it was very witty and erudite. And I was a kid from the country who barely knew how to memorize. Uh, my lines. But then Eastern Standard, um, I remember being really terrified about that play, um, but it being a really big growth experience for me. I remember leaving that play and talking about how good you were with my friend. Like, and I, and I actually, to this day, I remember you have, there's a moment that guts me in that show because your character um, is HIV positive or, or he might have AIDS actually. Right, yeah. Um, and he doesn't want to get into a relationship with this guy he really likes, but he doesn't want to tell him why. And at yeah. the end, when the guy is kind of saying like, you know, why are you playing with me? Why won't you do this? You just say, I'm sick. But it's in like the most gut-wrenching way. Like even now I'm getting chills, honestly. I mean, it's like- I can't believe I had any effect at the time. <laughs> you really did. Um, you know, interestingly, John Schmore directed that. And I believe John is still running the department now. Really? Um, he was a student. He was a grad student at the time. But um, he had, at least last I checked, he had been running the department, the theater department at U of O for quite a while. He's a great guy, really talented director. You're a, you're a big Ducks fan, right? I really am. Yeah. Uh, my, our whole family is. We're, we're just all... We have a long-standing tradition of going to the University of Oregon for long enough to have gotten a degree, but none of us graduated. Same um, yeah, same. I didn't get my degree there. Isn't it? I asked actually Michelle when she asked me to do this. I was like, "Do you have to be a graduate of U of O?" Yeah, I know. I always ask that. Like, you, you know, we're we're uh, we're not grads, but um, but but my love is uh, my love for the school is is very deep. It's, we've got a long, long family tradition at the University of Oregon. 
of failure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, about four years ago, my nephew went to college and it was a big scandal because he went to OSU. Oh yeah, that's yep. always, always a tough moment in a family in Oregon. <laughs> we had a cousin who went to OSU and it just felt like, uh, like the Appalachians, you know. Uh, but, you know, time heals all wounds. <laughs> I almost showed up today actually wearing an OSU shirt as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I honestly don't know where it is. He gave me one and I buried it somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now, did you go from U of O to Penn State? Uh, no, I actually went from U of O to Southern Oregon University, oh, right. where I ended up graduating. And then I got my master's at Penn State. I only know you went to Penn State because someone in my theater company mentioned they went to college with you. And I was like, no, you didn't. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? Uh, Scott Leggett. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And he actually told me that like he knew you were going to be a star the moment he saw Alice in Wonderland and um I guess was Keegan Michael Key the the yeah. white rabbit yes Keegan was in that I think he was the rabbit I was and the you were the mad hatter right yes yes just singing terribly it was a musical version <laughs> of it really I didn't know you did musicals I don't trust me I ended up doing like three or four through grad school because just out of necessity, they just, you know, now, nowadays, almost every program has a big musical theater department mm -hmm. for good reason, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of money in it for the theaters and, and also there's a lot of passion in it from the student body. So it's kind of a win-win. At the time, it was very much just about straight theater. You know, I guess, you know, in, in New York, they call it legit theater, which I think is a hilarious term. Yeah. they're all legit theater but um but uh it was all just you know regular plays and so i got pulled in on a lot of musicals um just me trying to just trying to get through them so you met keegan michael key there is that how you ended up with yeah. key and peel yeah we yes that's exactly how i ended up on key and peel we did two we had two years together there he was in the class ahead of me much like University of Oregon and Southern Oregon, when I got to grad school, I was also the oldest student there. So I was 27 or eight when I got to grad school. Keegan is, I want to say, gosh, at least five years younger than me, but he was in the class ahead of me. And we, we hit it off, you know, like, like people who like to goof around do. Um, we did bits all the time. But Keegan was one of those people that, he got, he got along with everybody and he still yeah. does. He still yeah. gets along with every single person. He can kind of take over a play in a comedy, like really take over a play, but also can could do really subtle, smart drama. You know, he, he's, mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a, an incredibly talented guy. He is known as like one of the nicest guys in yeah. this business, even after all this time. But so are you, and, and it always makes me wonder how you, I mean, I don't know that, I don't think you're sitting around thinking like, how can I make the world think I'm a nice guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, or maybe you are, maybe, maybe it's all plans. I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> but I mean, how do you sort of keep a sense of self and, and, and stay, I don't know if optimistic is the right word, but stay kind in this business. Oh, I think optimism is a great way to put that. I, 
I think one once again, I guess this is becoming a real theme in, in this in our discussion, but I think coming to all of this late was a real benefit to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned like I, I was kind of rudderless when I was young, and I think if I had happened into some success when I was young, I, I was I would have been very susceptible to being pulled off the rails as a youngster. You know. My wife and I very luckily have had the same group of friends for the most part throughout the whole experience. We never really were that in the, in, interested in the scene, you know, the, the scene that goes on around it. Mm-hmm. I will say when, when Modern Family took off, there was a stretch when it was really exciting. I would say like the first two or three years where my wife and I were out, you know, going out to events and stuff. But it starts to get a little Groundhog Day pretty quickly, he felt anyway. Um, and so then it was just sort of like, well, let's, you know, be around the people we love, do work that that we think is either really fun or really, you know, important if it was on the charity side and, and keep it simple. We also, you know, around that time had two kids and, you know, changes things too, so... Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but I totally understand because, you know, I had like five years where it was so fun to go to everything, you know, and now people are like, why don't you want to go to this premiere? And I'm like, because premieres are like seeing a movie with terrible parking, crowds, and it never starts on time. And I'm like, (laughs) I feel so grateful and lucky, but at the same time. I, I think that's a really good way to put it because I still feel grateful for every one of those experiences and for the opportunities that we have, because I don't think you're insulting it. I think you just, you kind of learn, I think you just kind of learn what it is, you how you really want to spend your time. Yeah. Um, and those, those events, you know, that they, they're, they can be really fun. And I'm sure, you know, you and I haven't been to our last one, but but uh, as a rule, it kind of like it has been really lovely to sort of like shrink down our life back again after the first few seasons of the show and, and just sort of uh, get into that rhythm. Well, you live in Utah, so that's one way to, you know, escape. It really is. It is amazing. It is the ultimate excuse. <laughs> <laughs> we love it here. It is it is very slow pace. It's really, you know, quiet and unassuming in the best way it, a little like Oregon that way you know mm-hmm. Oregon Oregon has that quality too of sort of like the vibe is just grounded and nothing against LA because LA was was and is one of my favorite places for a variety of reasons like we had incredible experiences there and like I still get kind of excited when I'm you know landing in LA or yeah. you know LA still holds a lot of a, like a charge a good charge for me but um when you're steeped in in that culture sometimes it's it's you know it's, it's just helpful to have outside context i think and how did you end up in la did you go to new york first because i saw you in a play there too yeah, <laughs> yeah you once joked that i'd seen you in more plays than your parents yeah <laughs> I remember, this is all coming back to me now. You saw Burn This, didn't you? I did, yes. In fact, like there was a year where there was a running joke. I was working at Backstage West, and the joke was if you were in Burn This, you got a story with me. 
because I did Dallas Roberts and Catherine Keener and Edward Norton, like all back to back, and then you. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so I, I went from Penn State to, to, I did some regional stuff for a little bit, but I was basing myself out of New York. Most of my life decisions happened, you know, to me rather than me making making any wise choice. That The move to LA was because I was in love with a woman who, you know, promptly broke up with me. But it's funny how life kind of plays out that way. Can I guess that your first TV appearance was a Law & Order? You know it. Was it really? You know it. I mean, that's any actor who goes to New York first. That's what, were oh you the killer God. or? <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, what an impact I had with that performance. Uh, two years later, I was cast again on Law & Order in a different part. And I'm pretty sure they forgot that I had already been on the show <laughs> as, as, as one character. So, yeah, it was. It was That was sort of, you know, for the longest time, that was really the rite of passage. As a, um, it was like getting your SAG card was also getting your Law & Order card, you know? <laughs> Telling people that you got your law and order was like going to the DMV and getting your driver's license or something. Yeah. Um, people were so excited. I, I was so thrilled about it. It was right when I was getting married and um, yeah. And, and then law and order, you know, also just pays the bills for a lot of, or used to pay the bills for a lot of people. SVU is still there, but um, it was, I think I ended up doing two law and orders and one svu and and when you're living essentially hand to mouth those that those paychecks and the residuals they 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 keep you going that was it was an amazing thing it's interesting because i i think that in the beginning early on, in your early roles you were doing a lot of drama i mean because i know you did black hawk down was one of your first movies yeah. um and obviously dawn of the dead uh, yeah. the great masterpiece, Dawn of the Dead. I mean, that, that character has some humor, but yeah. yeah. Right. That was kind of my, uh, for whatever reason, I, I always felt like maybe it was because I had sort of a Dracula face, but, um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I was, I was cast in a lot of drama and I've always been drawn more to comedy mm -hmm. my whole life. Um, I, it's not that I don't enjoy drama, but if given the choice, I, I just prefer comedy. I think of them more as like, you know, drama is rewarding. Drama is incredibly rewarding for me personally, like, like running a long race or something. But comedy is more like, you know, playing soccer or basketball or something where I, I, it's just a pure joy to me. So mm -hmm. that's partly why I don't really do it much anymore, even though I still have a real, I, I love it and I admire it. Um, if given the choice, I would rather just be an idiot. <laughs> so was your first comedy or your first show, the, the out of practice show? Yeah, it was my very first pilot, which is incredibly lucky, as you know, to have your first pilot make it to the air, I, you know, after out of practice, I had several failed pilots. Um, and I started to understand, oh, okay, yeah, pilots are not the finish line. Um, but I was very lucky that my first pilot was out of practice. And I was even luckier that 
that pilot was with Christopher Lloyd, mm-hmm. who I I got a good firm grip of his coattails and rode them <laughs> for many, many years. Now settle this because I've heard it said, and I think that you've downplayed this with me in the past, but Christopher Lloyd essentially wrote Phil Dunphy on Modern Family with you in mind. He did. Okay. But you still had to audition. I had to audition more than anybody on the show. Julie Bowen would disagree. No, she wouldn't. (laughs) She told me they put her through the ringer. No. So I, we should, we've told this story before, but she, she did get put through the ringer. This is actually like a complaint, a complaint competition, which is the worst kind of competition. But, um, uh, but hers had more to do with her being pregnant. And she, for very good reason, thought that she probably wasn't going to get cast because her, the timing was bad for her in terms of her being super extra double pregnant with twins, which they eventually worked around in the pilot with a laundry basket and all kinds no of way. all kinds of fun stuff. With me, the head of ABC just thought I was a terrible actor. Just like hated me. Was was the opposite of a fan. And so I would go through. I I screened. I tested. He was like, "No, he's out." They bargained and like said, "Please, please, please." You know, both Chris and Steve, because Steve also wrote it for me. He said, all right, we'll give him one more chance. Didn't work. Oh, and I also had submitted a tape. So that was three. He's like, no, this isn't going to work. So then secretly, after everybody else had been cast, I was the last person to be cast. I'm pretty sure I was the last person to be cast. Oh, you know, maybe Julie was. Um, but uh, uh, secretly, they we filmed several scenes with Jason Weiner, who directed the pilot, um, at Steve Levitan's house. And we shot it in the style of the show, which we really needed that. Um, and we improvised and we kind of treated it like we were essentially shooting the pilot. And that finally convinced him that I was up for the part. But it was um, it was a long road. But I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm very, very grateful it worked out because it was the best, best professional 11 years of my life for sure. It's funny because, you know, I, I friends with so many actors and you hear these stories over the year. And I have a friend who was apparently in the running for Claire and was like in the room when they basically found out Julie had accepted the offer and basically really? were like, yeah, but you know what she, this is, and this is why she's gone on to have like a really good career. And she actually guessed it on Modern Family. Um, but like one of the reasons I think she's so successful is because she told me when she saw the show, and she saw Julie, she was like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's She's like, lovely, it's like. That's a lovely thought from one actor to another. Right? You don't hear that too often. No, that's, yeah. That's that's really lovely. Yeah. She basically said it'd be like losing a role to Meryl Streep. She's like, I can't uh, compete with that. <laughs> yeah, Julie was amazing. We. It's funny because my kids have just started to watch Modern Family. They, no way. Yeah, we, we held off forever, but they were really begging us to watch. So we started and I'm, I'm, we're like four episodes in, but watching, watching Julie's performance in those episodes, just like, oh yeah. I mean, and, and everybody's performance, uh, you know, looking around at the other couples, just thinking, oh wow, it's one of those really lucky things where 
everybody was really meant to play their part. Uh, how do they feel about seeing their dad on TV? And, and, and I know you're not Phil, but you share some DNA. Is it, is it weird for them? Yeah, they, so they're, they've always been incredibly unimpressed by me being a performer. And I mean, I can't stress that enough. The, the first time this is like, so, uh, this is such a good example of, of their attitude towards me. But the first time I, I did Sesame Street almost entirely for them, you know, and I was waiting and I'm waiting for the air date and I sat him down on, you know, on the couch and was like, all right, you know, it's on, turned it on. And in the scene, you know, I'm standing there with Elmo and, and both of them, especially my oldest was like, dad, like, get, get, like, get out. You're, you're basically interrupting Elmo. Like you're in the way of Elmo. <laughs> you're, you're, you're messing up our viewing experience. So I think they think that when I'm on screen, I'm trying to annoy them. So when I, when they, in these episodes basically have, they will turn to me if I trip and fall in the episode or if I say yeah. something dumb and they'll turn to me and go, dad, like I did it on purpose. Yeah. So that's what, that's, that's their relationship with fun or family. Well, I met your daughter once. I don't know if you remember this or not. And she seems like a little performer herself. Was well, it was actually, I'll tell, the, I'll tell the version that I always tell my friends because I was at the La Brea Tar Pits with some oh. friends and my godson. And the oh, I, remember, most, I remember this yes, really well. Yes. This really well. The most adorable and funny child skipped up to me and she said, hello. These are my shoes. Goodbye. And she skipped off. And my friend said, Hey, that's that guy from Modern Family. Who's her dad? And I was like, Oh my God, because I hadn't seen you in like a couple of years. I know. <laughs> I remember that so well. Yeah. yeah. He's now uh, 11 and, and, and wearing women's 10 and a half shoes. So. <laughs> Oh, I would still love to look at her shoes. I'm sure they're yeah. amazing. Yes. <laughs> oh, and it was really cool, actually, because you're, uh, I was there with um, Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, yeah. You said, I, I couldn't believe this. I can't remember if he told me this or you did, that you, um, you used to go out for the same roles. We did go out for some of the same roles, but he got them all. Oh, <laughs> really? All of those roles when I was going out for them. But, um, but I got to know him because he was with Catherine. Yeah when we did burn this and he was always such a he's just such he was such good company you know that's oh, right. a weird weird thing to be you know a spouse during a play because yeah are always speaking their own weird little language from that bizarre bonding experience of doing a play yeah um but he was always very patient and kind and um yeah i always really appreciated him he is again we're talking about nice people he's just one of the nicest people yeah. in the yeah. entire universe yeah yeah, yeah and such a good sense of humor about himself too him and uh dermot M M dylan mcdermott have that friendly rivalry <laughs> I, I you know what's funny i i feel like i asked him about that but they had to have had like a a thing yeah they they worked together fairly recently 
um, like just a couple of years ago. And it was, yeah, it was, it was really fun to see them together. That's so great. <laughs> so um, obviously Modern Family was a big game changer for you. Yeah. Um, and opened the door for you to do so many things. And, and you've gotten to create your own work, haven't you? Well, that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm, I started a development, uh, television development company, um, uh, which, you know, is a very steep learning curve, uh, but I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I chose a pandemic to start a <laughs> development company, which I don't know what that says about my decision-making skills, but it's been a really fun, fun thing. And I am developing a couple of things, maybe, maybe to perform it, but really, uh, yeah, possibly. Possibly. I'm really enjoying being, you know, around the kids a lot. So I have to kind of, um, I'm moving, moving cautiously forward with a couple of things, but, but yeah, I, it has been really fun that one of the real blessings, I guess, of modern family is being able to, to, uh, try to engage young writers and create stuff on my own, which has been really, really cool. Well, you know, I came out to LA to do like improv and sort of acting, although I never really had my heart in it. And it's so funny because I ended up like falling back on writing, which is not like a secure career at all. That's hilarious. <laughs> but everyone tells me like, now is a great time for female writers, especially women of color. And I'm like, well, if I fail now, I must be really bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you... You know, you're one of those rare, well, not rare, actually, you're one of those actors who, who has other skills, which I think is amazing. I, I never had any other skill sets, but um, being a writer is such a, an amazing skill. I have more admiration for writers than I ever have. I mean, and, and I've worked with some of the best comedy writers mm -hmm. ever, um, but I'm just now really starting to get into the nuts and bolts of it. And. I, I have so much respect for it. Is that something you still think about, about in terms of writing for TV or film? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm actually working on something now that I think, you know, has really, I, I definitely, especially when I moved out here, went through the rigmarole of like working on a pilot and the pilots ago and, you know, all those starts and stops and it, right. it, it gets discouraging. And I don't know, I definitely didn't have the personality or stamina to take rejection as an actor. And I was frankly, that was never my my main goal, and I was never that good at it. <laughs> um, uh, I, I will say I had the honor of being cut out of two Oscar-nominated movies. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, just like as an extra, you oh, know, like in the background. And I remember the second time I did it, I thought for sure I would make the final cut because um, the director's son was in my scene, and I was like, yeah. "Director's not going to cut his son, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and and it was also a stunt scene. Anyone's expendable. Yeah. No, I remember thinking because like it was also a big stunt scene. What, was the, the, whole... what was the film? Um, I mean, I think I can say now it was American Hustle. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. And I was Jeremy Renner's angry neighbor, and <laughs> I always spent the day throwing garbage at him. And there were a lot of stunt people because you need stunt people to throw the garbage professionally. <laughs> and, um, it just felt like it was an expensive scene, right? you know, that they weren't going to get rid of, but yeah, they, they got rid of it. <laughs> oh, that's, it's like a funny business that way. Like when you're talking about the starts and stops and, uh, the things that you think are going to be a success, but they aren't, or things that you don't think are going to be a success and they are, you know, that 
part of the business, I, I always think of it as like you're you're running towards you know a lot of mirages, mm-hmm. but occasionally you you end up splashing in the water and and uh, you know lounging underneath the palm tree and and when that happens, it really is worth all the mirages that you you know were pulling up nothing but sand in those spots. But I think for young young people in our industry, you know, being prepared for that with with a sense of optimism that you know if you work hard and you're and you have some talent you will you will work you will find work in writing or directing or acting you will find work you the thing you don't control is you don't control your success mm-hmm. it may seem like they're the same thing but they're not that you control you you, you will work but your success is determined by outside factors does the does your script make it into the right hands does it uh, does your show get picked up? Does your play run get extended? You know, those things aren't in your hands, but, um, but the ups and downs, uh, uh, you know, for any young person in any of our fields are something that it takes a minute to, to get used to for her. And I, I mean, and being able to create your own work, like when I started, you know, hitting walls, yeah. In television out here, you know, I was lucky to have a theater company that, you know, yeah. I could not only could I get my plays up, but uh, they would do like 24 hour theater where it's right. like it forces you to write something knowing it's going to be put up tomorrow. Are you still connected with that company? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, we're obviously in a right. terrible, you know, even before the pandemic, there was kind of this attack on L.A. theater where, ah. yeah, yeah, where it's it's a long, complicated story, but like. In theory, some I think some well-intentioned people felt that LA theater actors should be getting paid the way you do in New York, not understanding how uh, different it is out here. Yeah, uh, so it's uh, it's been harder and harder to get shows up. I actually ha- was about to do a show um, the week we closed. You're kidding. Yes. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, well, actually we were supposed to open two weeks before and then my lead actor who really was irreplaceable had a small accident. So we pushed our opening two weeks and then we got the notice to shut down and we were like, okay, we'll, we'll see you in six weeks. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. What's the name of your company again? Uh, Sacred Fools. Oh yeah. 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 I've heard good things about your company. Yeah. Scott Leggett uh, was, was on our artistic committee most recently. I don't even know if yeah. we have an artistic committee now because we have no art. <laughs> I, hope, yeah, it's- I hope LA theater comes back. Me too. I mean, it's it's been a godsend, as has just making silly little short films yeah. that you can put online. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. If I didn't have that, I'd go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you um, because you're 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 on Duncanville right now, which is such a hoot, and you're playing another wonderfully well-intentioned father. <laughs> Very uh, a hyper emotional dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you were you always doing voiceover? Because it seems pretty quickly after Modern Family, everybody wanted your voice. But what were you doing that before? No, that's one of the you know that's one of the things that Modern Family gave me access to, um, and I did not I could not crack crack that code uh, before Modern Family. But Modern Family really gave me access to that world and. It's become 
really one of my favorite things ever. The film stuff that I was doing and, and the little bits of television animation, but now um, doing Duncanville has just been a blast. It's so much fun. It's been a real godsend during um, COVID because we've been able to produce the show normally. Uh, have you done some voiceover? You, you've got a great voice. You know what? It's so funny you say that because for years people complained about my voice. So now when ever anyone compliments it, I'm like... <laughs> oh, no, you've got a lovely voice. I could see you doing a lot of voiceover. I've done a couple things, yeah. For for Duncanville, I I, in fact, I'm going in tomorrow to record, and it generally is like a few hours of us trying to come up with the funniest version of each thing, you know, each scene, each beat. Um, and for somebody like me who really just loves doing that, it's it couldn't feel further from being work, you know. Yeah. It's what I would prefer to do anyway, is you know, find my brother and just start making up silly bits. See, I find it really hard. Do you? I well, yeah, but the most of the voiceover stuff I, I've done has been like, you know, coming up next on PBS. That is hard. Okay, okay, it is different. All right. That is hard. <laughs> I think if you're, you know. Just being uh, ridiculous, like I get to be on on Duncanville, it's a little bit easier because there's no guardrails, you know? You know, other than saying in the character's voice, which is just like basically mine, just a little deeper maybe, um, that's really it. Like the rest of it is just sort of, um, you know, anything goes. That, that kind of thing, being announcer VO stuff, can be, I think, can be really challenging because you're trying to make it sound real and yet, you know, authoritative and within the amount of time and clear. And that's hard. It's all, when I used to host actors on actors, I would have to do the intro. Uh, you know, and I don't know why they didn't just reuse the 500 other ones. And, and it would just become so challenging trying to find a new way to say, welcome to actors on actors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I have failed many times trying to do that voice. I really have. I've auditioned for many of those parts and they go to somebody better. And I would go home exhausted. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's a weird thing, isn't it? It mm -hmm. is a weird thing that the, I mean, I think, you know, people working in a coal mine might disagree with this, but, um, but when you're making yourself vulnerable. This is, I think, every version of acting and people are watching you and essentially when you're getting notes, you're being criticized in a, in a loving way, hopefully, but being told you're not doing it right for upwards of 12 to 14 hours a day. Um, yeah, you can, you can really get a good night's sleep that way. <laughs> I thought I was gonna get to roll in in my pajamas and no makeup and yeah. you know, say a few things into the mic and go home, but oh, it's been some of the hardest stuff I've ever had to do. Yeah, well, especially with stuff like that. With stuff like that, you can get somebody who's saying like, okay, same thing, but hit the word play and hit the word studio, but do it all four seconds faster. That's the other thing, the time frames they give you. Yeah, yeah. and then you're like, okay, the wheels are about to come off. <laughs> this may be a naive question, but on Duncanville, do you get to... I assume you record your stuff separately, or do you ever get to work yeah. with Amy Poehler? So Amy and I recorded some stuff early on to kind of get to know each other. 
and we do press together. Actually, the whole cast does press together, which is really fun. That's kind of where we uh, and the table reads we do together. So we, we have our opportunities to get to know each other. And but when we're actually recording, um, it's it's me or, or Amy or whomever working with uh, Bill and or Julie Scully. It's a very in, intimate back and forth, often just working one line over and over and over again until you get it to a point where you think it's at its sort of funniest. I mean, I just, because it sounds strange to say, but you guys have such great chemistry on that show. <laughs> so I thought. <laughs> no, to their credit, we, we did work together early on and um, we got a sense for what the characters are. And also when we're doing our version, our side, we're often hearing the other person's work. Oh, that's cool. In the, in the, in the recording. So you can kind of play off of that as well. Um, this may be an incredibly naive question considering how embedded Phil Dumphy is in all of our psyches, but when people see you, what, what is it they want to talk about? Because I have friends who are the biggest Muppets Most Wanted fans on the oh, planet. Wow. And then people love the skeleton twins and obviously Dawn of the Dead is still huge. So I guess aside from Modern Family, what, what do they recognize you from most? Aside from Modern Family, I would say it's probably Dawn of the Dead. Really? Yeah. I am always, I mean, I'm less surprised now, but I think that film has a, a cult following that is pretty far reaching. Mm -hmm. um, and it really was telling about, you know, where, where Zack Snyder was headed yeah. um, in terms of just his, his skill with that movie, because we did not have much money compared to what somebody might have now. He made, he made something out of nothing. You know, mm. I remember seeing the first ten minutes of that movie. They just showed us the first ten minutes, like you know, the first ten minutes are done, and just being blown away because we, I think, most people, not knowing Zach, he was lovely to work with, but assumed we were in sort of like a, you know, a lower lower budget movie that was. If if Lucky was going to be sort of a B movie, and to have it be number one, and and it was number one that we, that when it opened at the box office, um, was absolutely a, a surprise, and it's still a little surprising how how many people reference it, and it it it, ha it had a big impact on the zombie genre, and and now Zach's back at that genre again, which I'm happy about. I know is is the new um what what is it called Army of the Dead? Army of the um, Dead. Is is it a sequel to your Dawn of the Dead or are they not I saying? I'm not sure. You know, he and I chatted on the phone a year or two ago and he was in the process of putting that together. Um but I don't know. I think it's maybe even if it's just sort of like an anthology, it's I think stylistically there's no way it's not going to be connected to Dawn of the Dead in some way. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's fast zombies again, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I was just hoping maybe he, your character could come back in a cameo as a zombie or something, you know, not a dress, just sort of hanging in the background. That would be amazing. I would love <laughs> to just be some like way, way off in the background with a hole in my head. 
I would love to see that. <laughs> Wait, that sounded like I want to see you with a hole yeah. in your head. That that came out wrong. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I know you have to go do dad duty, um, I, but I so appreciate you taking the time to talk to I, us. I think I've told you this a million times, but I always really enjoy our our conversations. You are you are so you didn't fall back on anything. You are very <laughs> gifted at this. And Thank you. I really appreciate it. I always love talking to you and I hope it's not uh, as long in between next time. Yeah, I, I guess it has been a while, but I, 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 I feel like I haven't seen, I mean, what is time anymore? I know. I feel like I haven't seen anyone in years, but yeah, you're one of those people though, that like everybody loves and we all root for and whatever you do something like, and just hearing your voice on Duncanville, it's like, it's just like a nice, it makes me smile. Wow, <laughs> uh, I really appreciate that. That means a lot from you, seriously. Please keep in touch and thanks for listening to The Duck Stops Here.